This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Coming up on today's episode of the Offscript podcast, we're in conversation with a Premier League great who is also now a critically acclaimed podcaster. His name is Peter Crouch. He's played for a host of Premier League clubs and England, of course, and he's a thoroughly engaging chap. I hope you enjoy. The Offscript podcast. A man who we joined a little earlier today down at the Jumeirah Beach Hotel. He's out here with football escapes. He's passing on a lot of wisdom to the young kids aged between 5 and 15 who have signed up for the camp. That will take yeah. place again next week. And um, once again, he's a man who made me feel very short in his company. Six foot seven and a half inches of himself was Peter. And for those of you that are perhaps not aware of his career, he's had one heck of a career. Eight permanent clubs, three loan moves, and he played for two clubs twice. If I asked you that question, who are the two clubs that he played for twice? Twice, Robert? Well, I think one of them was Tottenham. It was, correct. And then the other one. one. Stoke? Nope. With Harry. Down on the south coast. Oh, Portsmouth. It was Portsmouth, okay. indeed. So when we look at those eight permanent clubs, Tottenham, Queen's Park Rangers, Portsmouth, Villa, Southampton, Liverpool, Stoke and Burnley were his clubs. Peter Crouch, of course, he is also the From star. glamorous to sort of... Well... <laughs> Hey, what a career he had. Three years at Liverpool, I guess that was, as you will hear from Peter over the course of the next 40 minutes. That was a particular career highlight. He's, of course, uh, at the star now of that Peter Crouch podcast, which has earned rave reviews yeah. over its five seasons today, and for good reason. It's a wonderful listen. We'll actually get his thoughts on the pod and a range of other subjects between now and 8 o'clock. 22 goals in his 42 caps for England. He had a heck of a career, did Peter. And I will say this, and we both said this sincerely, what an absolute gentleman! Yeah, he was. really nice guy. Just you really know, what? nice guy. Very unfootballer like. Yeah. is what we both say. No airs or graces. Nope. No, just not uh, bad. Yeah, I know it's sort of rolled it out all the time, but down to earth. He genuinely yeah. was. He certainly was. Now then, his thoughts on Rafael Benitez, former manager, of course, at Liverpool, dealing with snitches in the dressing room, and why Arsenal was always a guaranteed three points at Stoke. All of that to come. First up, though, we caught up with Peter, as Robbie has already alluded to, on the sidelines of his football escapes camp down at Jumeirah Beach Hotel. So, how was he enjoying it all? Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I mean, I've, I've not actually done this football escapes before, but I wish it was around when I was a kid. I have to say, like to to go on holiday, you know, in the sunshine on this backdrop, and play football every day is a, is a kid's dream. So yeah, pleasure to be a part of it, and kids seem to be enjoying themselves. Come on, then, Peter, are you the new Pep Guardiola? Are you enjoying this coaching? <laughs> malarkey? Do you know what? I love I love seeing the kids' faces. You know, like I think any time you meet a footballer as a kid, I remember myself. You know, if I saw any, I just follow them and. You know, whatever they were doing, you know, I take in all, you know, everything they were doing. And um, when you see the kids' faces, and, and, and you know, they look, they look up to you, and you know, most of them seem to be talking about the robot. I think that seems to have moved. They seem to have moved on a little bit now. You know, the Ronaldo C seems to be taking over. But um, now they're they're having a great time, and it's, it's it's nice to be a part of it. And hopefully, pass on a little bit of knowledge so they improve as well. You've done a, I think one of your podcast episodes detailed strange tactical kind yeah. of instructions mm. that you've been given over the years. Are you someone to bamboozle the kids with tactical? <laughs> are we getting them in triangles? Are we yeah, are we overlapping? Yeah. What what's the sort of Peter Crouch approach to to coaching and tactics? Well, honestly, I think that would be Rafa. I, I always <laughs> wonder about Rafa and his kids. I'm sure he sets them up in different formations. But uh, for me, I've got four young kids, and I know you know enjoyment's number one, isn't it? If we can pass on a little bit of knowledge uh, and they can improve by the end of the week as well, then I think we're doing our job. So you can't, especially with some of the younger ones, you know, a bit of information overload. You just got to make sure they enjoy it. And and, uh, and and hopefully they're improving by the end of the week. You talk on Rafa Benitez there, of course, it sacked unceremoniously by Everton mm. just a couple of weeks ago, Peter. We had 
John Terry on our show last week. He's made no secret to us of his dislike of Rafa. Two men who just didn't get on. He mm. says it. He says, I didn't like Rafa. Rafa probably didn't like yeah. me. Jermaine Pennant's gone on record as saying he felt like a robot under Rafa. You've played under a litany of managers. I want to touch on a couple of them. Rafa, I know you've said it on your podcast. Mm. Is he the one that would just blow your mind on a daily basis? I think so, yeah, because you know, very, very different. He was, uh, he was very aloof, very standoffish with a lot of players. Um, I don't think anyone ever got a well done from him. You know, if you win four or five nil, um, he'd bring you straight back to earth about where you went wrong or what you did wrong, rather than you know boosting you up. You know, very different to like Harry Redknapp, for instance. You know, a you great man manager who would put his arm around you and tell you how brilliant you were on a daily basis. He'd look at Luka Modric and Rafa van der Vaart, and I remember sitting on the sideline with him once, and he was like, "Look, look how good these are." You know, like just go out and play, basically. Whereas Rafa was very much the opposite. And I, I get what Pennant's saying. You know, it was quite robotic, but I think if you buy into Rafa's tactics and you're all pulled together and, and believe in what he's saying I think you can achieve big big things and for me he's a top manager and he gave me the opportunity to to, to work at a club like Liverpool and you know I feel very proud of that fact so you know you won't hear me slagging off Rafa ever so uh, he, you know he gave me the opportunity to play for the best club in the world Did you ever get any instructions that, and you thought to yourself I, I have no idea what this guy is talking about <laughs> Well there, there were times and listen you know there, I'm not going to say I'm going to sit here and say you know there were times where you know he would do things and it would be you, you wouldn't agree with them but you know there's lots of different managers that have done that for me um, and you've thought I don't agree with this but then the day they're the manager, I think you have to respect their decision. Um, and if that's, you know, if it doesn't work, then of course you can have a polite word, but you still have to do what the manager says. I think. Robbie and I were talking about it on the on the drive down here today, Peter. And of course, you are someone who you're in tune, I think, with what football fans kind of want to hear. You want to give an insight into the inner sanctum of a dressing room. Brendan Rodgers, after Leicester's Nottingham Forest defeat at the weekend, he came out, didn't name names, but he basically made it clear there were three or four players not hitting the heights, believing their own height. Mm. And we were wondering, you as players, do you watch the press conferences of your manager? Do you mm. take heed of what he says on a Thursday or a Friday before a weekend? Or does that just... Do, do you know what? I think I think there's a there's a, maybe a misconception that, that players, you know, don't listen to what's reported or don't listen, don't read the papers or don't listen to their manager's press conference on a Friday. Subtle lies. Um, yeah. I listen to everything, you know, and like, if it's going well, I'll be listening to it. And if it's going badly, I'll often bury my head in the sand but, <laughs> uh, but yeah listen you know what the manager's saying you know you can't you can't hide from the fact you know you'll be reminded of it you know the players will remind you of it first and foremost have you heard what the manager said about you just to stir things up but um, yeah I mean listen you, you do have to be wary of what the manager says of course in the press conferences and I think you know if, um, if someone targeted me like that you know Believing that they're not, you're not pulling your finger out, or you're not, you know, you're believing your own hype, then um, that would hurt me pretty deeply, and I think I'd come out fighting. And just on that, Peter, because he didn't name names. Now we can all speculate as to who we think it was. You as players, when a manager does that, are you all looking at one another and going? Yeah, that's you, pal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you? Without doubt, I think um, I think the players will know in that dressing room. And for, for, for someone like Brendan, who's um, a likable guy, you know, I, I like Brendan Rodgers a lot as a person. I think he's a fantastic manager. Uh, for him to do that, I think there must be some serious, you know, problems there. Some some issues that he's not been happy with. Certainly after the Forest game, it was a uh, you know disaster really. So um, yeah, I think 
those players certainly have to look in the mirror, and I think those players in the dressing room—they've got some big characters in that dressing room, you know, like Casper, you know, Casper Schmeichel, yeah. Jamie Vardy, who's been been there a long time, and they've seen it. They've won things at that club. They've done things that you know, no less the players have achieved, really. So, um, you know, as senior players, I think it's up to them as well to, to to weed those players out and not let them get away with it. The intangibles in football. Um, we were just talking to Bobby, actually, who just commented on how, how upbeat and buoyant the West Ham dressing room must be right now for them to be performing kind of above the level that you would expect them to perform. Mm. And by the same token, right now at Man United, the stories that are coming out speak about an unhappy kind of camp of, of players. How much of an impact does it make on a, on a team's performance, just that mood, that, oh, that, I mean, that ambiance, if you like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, inside those four walls? There's so much. I mean, I've, I've played in... Um, Really, really talented teams with a with a with a dressing room that was fractured and you know not not together, and um, you, you achieve far less than a, a dressing room of, of less talented players who are, who are who are pulling in the right direction, who have the right attitude, um, who get on. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean it does make such a, such a difference, and I think obviously winning helps. As soon as you're winning games, yeah. everything's a lot a lot easier. Um, but the moment you're you're losing and, and the attitude's bad is when you you really do struggle. 24-7 news cycle the advent of social media as well Peter means that there is a thirst from not just journalists who have gone through university to get their degrees everyone is like an amateur sleuth wanting to get the little nuggets of information we've seen a lot lately certainly from a lot of clubs seems to be a lot of leaks coming out you know you guys are human at the end of the day you've got friends those friends have got other friends and then journalists get wind of it have you ever been in a situation where you as a team in a dressing room have called out a player and said, hey, we know it's you, quit it, because this isn't helping us mm. to achieve what we want to achieve. Yeah, I think, um, you know, what should, my, you know, maybe I'm a little bit old school, but I, I feel like what what's, goes on in the dressing room should stay in the Absolutely. dressing room, you know. Obviously now, you know, with my podcast and things like that, I talk about things that have happened, but I'm not throwing anyone under the bus. I'm talking about quite funny stories that have happened and giving people, you know, sort of a bit of inside knowledge into that. But if you're playing and you're in the dressing room and things are coming out, my pet hate at the moment is... Um, agents that come out and speak in, on behalf of players. Um, you know, the, the way I'd see it, if my agent came out and spoke, that, that is a reflection of what I'm saying. Yeah. So the min- moment that agent comes out and goes, we're going to Real Madrid for 80-odd million, is the moment that it's coming out of the player's mouth, I think. And as a manager or uh, as a club or as players, I think you get hold of the player because they can always hide behind their agent and say oh you know it's just him but he's an employee it's not yeah it's it's coming from the player um, and the less we hear from agents I think the better on the on, on, on the transfer policy of one of the players thoroughly concur with that fascinating insight there from Peter but what are the highly successful podcasts the club he considers closest to his heart and the secrets of Stoke City's Premier League success all of that to come but first we wanted to get his thoughts on an old teammate a good friend of ours Robbie Fowler the two were former colleagues at Liverpool and Peter is a big fan Absolutely love him. Um, do you know what? Obviously, like growing up, you know, he started a bit bit earlier than me, and um, loved him as a player. And just you know, players that play with a smile on the face, you know, and and players that excite you. Um, and he did he did both of those things, and uh, loved him as a player. But then you know, people say don't meet your heroes, you know. And then uh, 
he, he re-signed for Liverpool and while I was still there and um, just absolutely loved him as a person as well, you know, and uh, you know, good person to be around and a top player. In terms of his finishing, because one thing I've noticed, there's a thread when any, any guest that we've had on has said, you were natural, Robbie. Mm. It gets his back up. He hates being called a natural finisher because his words would be, well, it implies that I didn't have to work hard. Mm. And he said, I worked my nuts off to yeah, get to yeah. where I was. In terms of his finishing, though, as good as a finisher that you've had the pleasure of playing with? Yeah, because he just had, a, he had all types of finish. You know, he could be cute. He was he was good in the air when he needed to be, you know, could volleyball, had a tremendous left foot, um, you know, and he had that power as well, you know, no backlift. Um, all, all, all types of goals and um, obviously he was nearing the end of his career when he was at Liverpool with me but um, you could still tell you know any kind of finishing drill was just, just fantastic and uh, probably yeah probably the best I mean Defoe was, was, was good Defoe was, was a very good finisher as well but um, but something, something magical about Robbie's left foot what, What's the story from your podcast Peter that gets more reaction than any other yeah. or at least has provoked more kind of maybe that surprised you as to how people have reacted to it um, Well there's been lots of lots of little taglines. I mean, obviously we had the spray and ace thing recently. We had, um, you know, right right in the early days. Obviously the the, the, the samrat curry house, which is you know blown up, which I still don't get a free meal for. <laughs> um, uh, obviously there's a there's a fellow called Carl who gets a little mention, uh, which I won't mention the exact line uh, of what we say to Carl. But um, now I mean that one and, and, and back stronger. The whole the whole tagline, little little nuggets of yeah. um, of sayings that have just taken off and. And everywhere I go now, people trying to kiss the ring and uh, various different things that happen. It's uh, it's crazy to think that that many people are, you know are, are listening. You know, it's uh, and it's great fun to do. Well, with you, Peter. I mean, Robbie's listed a few of your clubs. You played for a litany: Queens Park Rangers in there as well, Aston Villa, of course, as well. Where is the club that you most felt at home? Where, when you look back on your career, did you think, you know, what the manager, the players, the fans, the environment? Mm. That's a bit of me. That is. Yeah, you know. There's probably two. I think obviously my debut season was at QPR, and um, I'm from sort of I'm from Ealing, so you know I used to train at QPR as a nine-year-old. Went to Tottenham and came back and made my debut at QPR, and all my mates were QPR fans, so they're all in the crowd. And I remember they, you know, got to the stage where I think we were about 18, 19. They used to have a bet uh, on a Saturday, like have a fiver on me or something, and um, I scored first, like about five or six or seven first goals that year, and it was whether or not we could go out that night. It was when I looked up in the crowd, the lads. <laughs> were just it was you know a dream to them to be you know they nicked a few quid and we went out but um, we had that one and we also had the you know player for Liverpool was special I, I mentioned obviously Rafa signing me for the greatest club in the world um, in my opinion and we, we you know just off the back of Istanbul 2005 um, they just they just won the Champions League and then you know that's when I signed for them you know the club couldn't have been at any more high profile um, I had two two three years there um, got to another Champions League final won the FA Cup played a Super Cup um, a great team a great city um, and that was where I probably felt like I was playing my best football I had great times at Portsmouth at, you know Southampton Tottenham Villa all, all of them had little little times but that period at Liverpool just felt was the, I was playing the best I think I scored 10 goals in the calendar year for England um, it was just a good time for me personally to, to be playing football at a top club I want to ask you about Stoke, if possible, because yeah. you, you've obviously heard the refrain, I bet he can't do it on a rainy night yeah. in Stoke. Was that something that permeated the kind of ethos of the club? Mm. The fact that you guys were kind of bulletproof 
on a Tuesday night <laughs> we at were. an 8pm kickoff. Was that something that you kind of paid any kind of homage to? Oh, I loved it, honestly. It was one of the funniest, funniest things, you know, watching teams get off the bus. Yeah. Um, I always remember watching Arsenal get off the bus. Like, we always be, like, the thing is, we should go for the fixtures and we go, well, Arsenal, we, you go, you know, we, we might we win that one, we win that one. You look at that, what kind of points total you could accumulate. We look at Arsenal at home and they had a top team. We'd go, that's a banker. Uh, <laughs> and we just, we they just, fancy we that. just tick them off. And I remember remembering them getting off the bus and uh, you could see they had their hoods up and they were just cold to the bone. They just didn't want to be there. And um, we, I remember we trained on the on the middle of the pitch uh, the day before under Tony Pulis. We churned it all up so they, they couldn't. And we'd grown the grass for about this long and we'd removed the advertising hoarding so Rory could fizz in these throw-ins. And um, honestly, I remember Aaron Ramsey looking at me and the grass was that long. He couldn't see his boots and he, was, he just said to me, like, crouching. I was like, I'm sorry, my <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't do it. It was. It just. It just. We'd always have an edge over a team, and you could see it. And the best teams dealt with it so yeah. well. I think Man United at that stage were a top team, but they still had a, a, a toughness to them, a, a toughness that you'd still get beat. You know, Man City towards the end there. You know, Vincent Kompany, the boys. You know, you could sell. It was still top players, but they were hard as nails, and it, you know we couldn't get to them. If they were wearing gloves, you knew that you knew. It you was had usually. Them. Yeah. It was usually like, a, uh, yeah, plus it was a, it was a definite no-no at, at Stoke. Were, were, Rory's, were Rory's throw-ins as good as the corner? Oh, they were unbelievable, honestly. Like, you've never seen it like it. Like the, uh, it was it was the trajectory. And like, a lot of people have long throws, but they still you still yeah. have to go up first. This did this this rose like a golf shot. It was it was just just like that. And um, we, I mean, the people that piled in. I mean, before I arrived there, you know, you had Abdullah Fay, you had Kenwin Jones. Um, yeah. You had Ryan Shawcross, Shawcross. Robert Hoof, uh, Danny Higginbottom. You know there was big fellas running in at you. Um, See many a goalkeeper crumble under the under the pressure of it. I love that. We were just hearing from Bobby as well. And, and listen, Peter, I know it's hot, so we won't keep you much longer. Bobby was telling us he was reminiscing about Scolesy playing for Fulham at Old Trafford, and he was saying that Rio loved to commentate. Scolesy would hit one of his zingers, and Rio would be like, "Ah, oh, Scolesy, stop it." Defenders that used to commentate yeah, yeah. in your ear. There mm. must be one or a couple that you'd be like, give it a rest, would you? Uh, God, the big big talkers, yeah. I mean, Rio's the worst for that. Was he? Um, only because, you know, even now, like when we're watching VT games, you know, um, obviously if you're not on camera during the game and uh, all you can hear is, oh, you know, this, oh, and you get all these noises coming out of him, you know, everyone does a bit of skill or a tackle. Or, it's great, though, you know, because he loves it. Um, but yeah, he was, he was a good talker but um, yeah but I mean I think in the early days um, I remember playing it to Keith Curl and he was Keith he, Curl, he, he was in he was in your ear a lot um, the, I, the, the biggest lesson I ever had was my first season at QPR I think we played I think it was Steve Bold and Tony Adams um, and I thought yeah like I was banging them in for, in the championship I thought you know I'm ready for the Premier League now played against those two and uh quickly realised I wasn't <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I got a lesson <laughs> the final part of it now a shock revelation from Peter coming up pertaining to coaching up first though who got Peter's vote for the player of the season so far in the Premier League I think I mean it's listen if you're gonna if you're gonna have a uh, a two it's gonna be a it has gotta be a Liverpool and a City. and a City player um, I think I think Cancelo's a definite shout uh, Bernardo Silva for me Phil Foden's got to get in there yeah. um, but yeah Mo Salah is the standout player this year um, 
you know, obviously I know he's gone away with the African Cup of Nations, but still, um, you know, banging in goal after goal. It's like every time he plays, you know, I do, I do a lot of the games um, for BT and uh, every time I watch him, he's scoring goals. It's Champions League. It's, uh, it's relentless. And I think um, we sometimes take greatness for granted you know with Ronaldo and Messi we just assume they're going to score 50-60 goals a season Salah I think is getting to those levels where you just assume he's going to get 30 goals a season I think it's easy to forget how difficult mm. that is in the Premier League so um, yeah most Salah standout candidate for me When are we going to hear a fresh episode of the Peter Crouch podcast next? Oh mate it's been too long I know that it's all people say to me is when's the pod back you know back stronger even when I put anything on social media about anything else it's like yeah it's alright <laughs> yeah, yeah. stop but- messing around and bring my pod back. Yeah. <laughs> no one's interested in anything else I'm doing. Football escapes don't care. Get us the podcast back. Um, so yeah, I'll. Um, yeah, it's coming back. It's it's coming back within. You know, I think we, a little bit of promotion in the next couple of weeks, and we'll be back within a month. And Brilliant. then football escapes. Final word. Let, let we started there. Let's finish there. I think it's fair to say we're not going to see you in a dugout anytime soon. Is that fair to yeah, say? Yeah, you know what? I've done my coaching badges, and I'm, I'm ready. If anyone asks me, Stevie G, if you need if you need a hand, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Um, but Have you done your coaching badges? I've done my badges, yeah. Do you know what? I did my coaching badges and then I did a book and a podcast. And the, the book and the podcast just went off and, you know, went crazy. And I just followed that sort of path, really. But anything I sort of I enjoy, that you know, that's the, the way I go. It's not you know, for any other reason, really. If I enjoy it, I'll, you know, see, I'll, I'll do it. And, you know, who knows? Coaching might happen in, 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 in the later years, you know, when people are tired of my podcast and tired of my stories. And, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, I might go down, down the coaching <laughs> route. You know, but uh, yeah, I've enjoyed like this week, for instance. I've really enjoyed it. Sean, your brother-in-law is a big fan of our show. He lives yeah. out here in Dubai. Abby, of course, your wife's brother. Give us a story about Sean. Keep it clean. He's a good lad, is Sean? He's a good lad, Sean. Yeah. Um, cool stories about him. Do you know he played with? Uh, he did. I know he, he played did. with Jamie Vardy at Fleetwood. He's a good footballer, Sean. So um, I don't know if many people know that. Obviously, he's got he's got his KO8 gym stuff he out does. here in Dubai, which is going really well. But um, we've got a dad's game here tonight. Um, put it this way: if he's down here, it'd be my team. <laughs> The voice there of the big man, Peter Crouch. We thank him for his time a little earlier today down there at the magnificent Jumeirah Beach Hotel. Crouchy is part of the Football Escapes team and a lovely little mention as well for his brother-in-law, Sean, who it does appear is a pretty handy footballer, Rob. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Heralding from the same neck of the woods as Jamie Vardy. That can't be sniffed at. It absolutely cannot. But hey, listen, he's a lovely fellow, was Peter. Yeah, lovely guy. Yeah, and I think that comes across. And obviously, his podcast also betrays that as well. The fact that he's he's had such a successful and a very authentic take on the game, and so many stories. I think some of them he's probably keeping for the next season probably. of his podcast. But listen, I I, th- I thought he was thoroughly engaging and, and really uh, yeah, big big fan of him. And, and we thank him for his time. I love the fact as well. He said that they always took a little look at Arsenal stepping off the bus, cold, wet, and windy night Tuesday night. That is. At Stoke and Arsenal just never did fancy it up there, did they? No, exactly that. As soon as you get the gloves on, you're probably <laughs> a sitting duck when it comes to a rainy night at Stoke. But it's great that the players as well kind of paid kind of a, a due reference yeah. to, to what we would regard as kind of an old cliche, really, a rainy night at Stoke. But they actually bought into it. It was great to hear that. The one time that the Stoke players felt 10 feet tall in the tunnel was when it was a Tuesday night and it was wet and it was cold in Stoke. We thank Peter for his time. The Offscript Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. 